0: All right, our focal passage for the next few weeks is one verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and all the the worship this morning was geared so specifically to what we're going to talk about today. I'm just, I love it when God puts things together. He has a message for us today. I hope you're uh, with me and committing yourself uh, to hearing this message and applying it. Uh, We are... Not really interested in just studying so that we can have more head knowledge and so or some new philosophy to uh, dispute with others. But we really are here today to gain some knowledge that we can apply to our lives for the purpose of becoming a community that blesses. I love some of what we sang this morning. I forget the song. Didn't even remember the lyric until today. But just that lyric that says, "God, uh, whatever you're doing in us, you know, let people give give people eyes to see." Uh, who you are in us? That's what we—that's what we're asking God to do. Give give people eyes to see you in us, not see us, not see, um, not connect us with the religion of the day, or connect us with all of their false perceptions of God, or maybe what we've done even in the past. In representing God poorly to the world around us not because we intended to do that just because we didn't know any better but we are discovering God and we're discovering him to be beautiful and discovering his will to be incredible and and our just demeanor is changing as you know uh, corporately I'm seeing a different people yeah, I love seeing what's going on in this body and how God is revealing himself and how he's uh, causing us to just come alive really in our love for him and in our authentic faith and ultimately in Acts that represent that, which we're studying now, the book of Acts, which is just that. It is God moving and working in people. So I'm excited about this, this phase of our church. Let's read our passage and, and talk about where we are uh, as a church and where God's taking us today. Uh, our, our verse, Acts 2.42 And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, we're in the book of Acts, if you haven't figured that out. God's placed our church here, I believe, we believe, with a very timely and significant purpose. Let me say that again. It's a very timely and significant purpose. Or let me say the first part again, because I think... This is introduction, so our minds go into turn-off mode until the introduction is over with. But that's just significant. God has placed our church in this study for a very timely and significant purpose. We're not just preaching messages. We're not just covering another book of the Bible, trying to meander our way through theological truth. This is a message for this body for now. It's a message for this community, for now. And so it's so significant that we grab it, we grab hold of what God wants to do. God wants us to find out what it takes to become a community that blesses. And so the book of Acts is the story of the initial acts of the apostles, or more specifically, the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. When God came, when the Holy Spirit came through the apostles and the Holy Spirit that was promised to the disciples by Jesus when he came and filled the apostles. And then later on, the 120, and things started changing. And so we're, we're trying to figure out, as we look at this study, what does it mean to be, first of all, a community of believers? And then ultimately, when the fruit begins to pop out, of this congregation, when it pops out in your life in front of people in the community, when all of a sudden you start revealing and showing the kind of fruit that a community, that a biblical community automatically shows when we abide in Christ, that the changes that go on around us are going to be phenomenal. I just believe it's time for that. I believe that God wants this small congregation and the other gathering place and the gathering place in Ruston, an even smaller congregation, to be those people. And so we're looking at the book of Acts to find out what happened. We need to clearly understand that what was happening in the book of Acts is also that, first of all, it was the exclusive activity of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to wait until the Holy Spirit came, and then when you're endued with power you will be my witnesses. And so the Holy Spirit is vital. And, and for so many churches today, we, 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 have, not, we have, as, as uh, Francis Chan says, we have forgotten that the Holy Spirit even existed. You know, he, is the, he is the forgotten God of the Trinity. And so we as a church need to be a church that surrenders to the Holy Spirit. That, that, look, let's muddle through what it takes to figure out how to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership. I mean, God is on our side in doing that. Let's figure it out. Let's don't give up hope and say, let's don't write off the Holy Spirit is this wild, crazy thing that only uh, charismatics can get a hold of, and so we're just going to leave that with them, and we'll just do what's called normal Christianity, right? Let's not do that. Let's not explain away the Holy Spirit. I love what Tozer said. He said, what happened... Uh, in the, as a result of the charismatic movement for a lot of people uh, is that some people took the, hi, got hyper-emotional about the Holy Spirit and started calling everything the Holy Spirit and everything demons and all this stuff happened. And he said it's like, um, it's like a bunch of crows that found out that one crow got killed in a cornfield and so they totally get away from the cornfield when the guy with the gun's not even in the cornfield anymore, right? We write off the Holy Spirit because of one person's bad experience with the Holy Spirit, or one person's misuse of the Holy Spirit, and so we've totally written off the Holy Spirit when He is the secret. It, Jesus said, it's better that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. Why is, it be- Why is the Holy Spirit better than Jesus? I don't know all the reasons, but I can tell you it's because He lives in all of us. We can all have Jesus with us every day, regardless of where we are, I and mean, there's so many beautiful things that Jesus wants us to know about the Holy Spirit. He says he's better. We wouldn't write off Jesus. We wouldn't send him off to, you know, to other religions, other churches and say, y'all can have him. We don't want Jesus. If we did, we wouldn't be Christian, would we? And so we can't write off the Holy Spirit when Jesus says it's better for you that he comes, that I go away and he comes. So we embrace the Holy Spirit at the gathering place, right? Yeah, the Holy Spirit is what we're about, not in an abnormal way. And what the Bible describes is what the Holy Spirit's about. So we're trying to figure that out. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit comes into and fills His disciples? And then when the Holy Spirit begins to move and work and draw people, what does that community look like? We need to abide in the Holy Spirit, seeking Him for guidance in the decisions of life and, and, and in the decisions of community. We need to seek the Holy Spirit. It begins with a sincere, personal decision to follow Christ. Uh, Again, key word, sincere and personal. Last week, we talked about the origin of biblical community in the book of Acts. Where did it come from? It relates to individuals within the community, first of all. And so last week, we talked about the origin of the church of Acts, this church that we're about to study the, the origin was the Holy Spirit moving in the lives of individuals. First of all, he moves in the 120 who were gathered because Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. They were gathered in the right place, uh, and they were doing what, the, what Jesus told them to do. And you will be filled with power from on high when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and, and you'll be my witnesses. And so they waited, and the 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit had access to a bunch of 120 disciples who were completely surrendered to the God that now was in them to do whatever he wanted to do. And the first thing he does is he fills a guy, the most unlikely person, Peter, to preach a a message that was not his words but the Holy Spirit's words speaking through them. Well, he did a God-exclusive event by giving them tongues in everybody's languages and then it gathered the crowd and they began to ask questions. And so the Holy Spirit caused all of that. He moved in all of that to get people there, to get people in Jerusalem at the right time, and the right place. And he gathered and he gave them the right word and he used a weak person to do it. And he fills their minds and he cuts their hearts and he convicts them of their sin and they respond by the Holy Spirit and with his power in the right way by repenting and being baptized. All that happened. But it wasn't just random. The Holy Spirit filled Peter to speak. The Holy Spirit brought the people there. Each person was cut to the heart by the Holy Spirit. Each person began to ask the question, what do we need to do? And Peter gave the answer by the Holy Spirit. And they followed their hearts and repented and were baptized as the Holy Spirit led them. We can't write that off. I made an appeal last week and want to begin today by reminding us again that it is only through a group of believers who have experienced personally the Holy Spirit's salvation, the Holy Spirit's conviction in this way and understanding what the Holy Spirit desires for their life and have personally respond that we will have a community that blesses. It's only through that authentic origin that we'll have a community of blessings. So we're not inviting you to join a group of people who have a philosophy of how to do community today. We're inviting you to join a group of people who have been brought to salvation by the Holy Spirit and who, uh, the Holy, uh, who have experienced the Holy Spirit revealing to us the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done in a way that has caused all of us to be cut to our hearts, convicted of our sins, and has caused us to repent and be baptized. That's what we invite you to today. That is our origin. and So don't come in and think, oh, well, I'm, I want to join this church in the way that most of us have joined churches. This is not a community that invites you to come to a style of worship or to a, pro, a list of programs or ways of doing things. We are all coming together for one reason. We're united by a common origin, a, a, an honest, authentic response to an offer for salvation and the redemption of Christ as the Holy Spirit has drawn us here. And so question that in yourself. Are you there? If not, you know, that's the purpose of last week's message is to get us to ask, have we had that origin? The origin of community is, 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 a, is having a personal originating experience with Christ. But what happened after the members of this community experienced this personal touch of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be studying for the next few months. It's interesting to me how in the past when I was following the pattern of Bible Belt religion, if you will, I acted as though the Holy Spirit was done after someone put their faith in Jesus for salvation. I I, I acted like it was all done. The Holy Spirit's job was complete when someone was saved. I was taught to uh, to basically be the Holy Spirit in people's lives. I didn't realize the power of helping people simply learn, listen, to follow the Holy Spirit themselves. That's, that's our goal, to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Jesus told the disciples that the Holy Spirit, when he came, that he would guide them to all truth. And so the Holy Spirit can do that. And, and so many times, as soon as someone gets saved, they, they, they receive Christ, they have an authentic relationship that's led by the Holy Spirit. They're called in, and they, they have a, a, a make an authentic decision, and they're redeemed by the blood of Christ, and they understand that that they couldn't do anything to get that, then immediately our church begins to add a list of things they need to do. And we fill them up with this burden that was never the intention of Christ. Instead of just saying, okay, what you just experienced, keep doing that. Remember how the Holy Spirit cut you to your heart, convicted you, led you to this place, drew you into Jesus, helped you to see the truth? Keep seeking the Holy Spirit. That's what happens in, in the book of Acts. So what does the Holy Spirit do next with the apostles and this group of 3,000 brand new believers? What does he do? Well, last week we mentioned this. And in, in, in our passage today, it says they devoted themselves, first of all. It, they, we talked last week, we closed out by saying they committed themselves or devoted themselves It was a group. All of a sudden, these individual relationships with Christ, that that initial origin of of the redemption of Christ in the life of a single believer are 3,000 single believers turned into they. Y'all with me? We are they. We are not we. We are not me. We are not I. The, The Holy Spirit of God has moved in such a way in our lives that that automatically unites us. We're united. We're we're one group of people uh, all tuned to the same tuning fork. We're not tuning to each other at the gathering place. We're tuning to the Holy Spirit. So they, individuals united, devoted themselves. They gave constant attention to. Not just Sunday attention. Not just a moment's attention. Not just A moment of response of our our minds to a thought or an idea about God, but they gave constant attention to some things. So what did they give constant attention to today? Uh, we, We begin that. By the way, first of all, the apostles' teachings is what they gave attention to. The apostles' teachings, those disciples who had been chosen by Jesus to, to, to be with him, to see him literally, physically, to walk with him who had committed themselves uh, to, to be with Christ and, and who had learned from him and, and were filled with his spirit. That combination of things, they saw him, they walked with him, they gave their lives up, livelihoods up and followed him. Those disciples who learned from him and were now filled with the Holy Spirit and ultimately were the ones that clarified for this group of 3,000 people what was going on and what that was that they were experiencing. Clarified that for them and gave them the truth. That's the apostles. I am not the apostle. I want to make that clear. I am not an apostle. I'm not asking you to commit yourself to my teaching. They, they weren't committing themselves to their teachings. The 3,000 didn't say, hey, let's choose some apostles from among ourselves, and we'll, we'll be committed to each other's teachings as we experience the Holy Spirit. We are not apostles, not in, the Bibli- not in this sense here. There, there are no apostles. who. Uh, what I do, I'm a pastor or teacher. I'm called to be that. Elder, those words are used in Scripture to define what I do. So what does a pastor do? What is my job? Well, I, I'm just committed to the apostles' teachings like you are. The apostles are no longer with us. I'm one of 3,000 who's committed myself. I'm one of the 3,000 who's committed myself to the apostles' teaching. And as a church, we're devoting ourselves to the apostles' teachings. We believe in the Word of God. That is the apostles' teachings. It is our manual for life. It is the it is all that they were describing in this moment when they said they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. And if we're going to have a move of the Holy Spirit in this life, if what has happened in us is authentic, then we have an automatic commitment to the Word of God, to the apostles' teachings. It, it happens. You don't have to talk people into being committed to the Word of God. If we're going to be a community that blesses, we, we need to ramp up our devotion to the Word of God. We, we need to give constant attention Y'all with me? Let me bring that word back up. We need to give constant attention to the word of God as it clarifies for us what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through us. I want you to know that I trust the Holy Spirit to complete this work in you. I trust the Holy Spirit to convince you that you need to devote yourself constantly, moment by moment in your life, to the teachings of the Word of God. I trust the Word that the Apostle Paul gave, for instance, in Philippians 1.6 when he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I trust what the Apostle who gave us the book of Hebrews writes at the beginning of his letter. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, us all, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and what? Perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I, he committed to the Holy Spirit to finish this work. The Holy Spirit gives us the apostles' teaching. The Holy Spirit is doing that work. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to do that in you. I'm trusting that the one that gives us this foundation, that gives us the origin personally, is also going to finish that work in you. I'm trying to trust that. Let me say that. You'll notice that my preaching, if it ever has anything to do with me telling you what you need to do, is random. Random. All we talk about doing in this church is connecting with God. It's learning how to hear the Holy Spirit. is speaking the truth from God's words. We are committed to the apostles' teachings. And I'm committed to, to this truth and to working this out as your pastor to allow you time to engage the Holy Spirit personally. To allow you time to develop a love for the Word of God. To allow you some time to... to to experience that personally. But until we get that, until we ramp up our devotion to the Word of God, we're not going to be able to be that community that God blesses or that blesses others around us. That is a result of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, first result. So, and listen, their commitment to the apostles' teachings was not a commitment to the teachings of man. It was a commitment to allow those who were chosen by Jesus and who were divinely equipped because of their personal walk with Him and because of the Holy Spirit to clarify what this new walk of faith should be like. And so, what are our personal expressions then of this kind of community characteristic that we see in the book of Acts? That's the question we need to ask today. Well, I think the first question Expression of that is my job. I'm the teaching pastor of this church. My job is to study the apostles' teachings and to present it clearly to you to help our church to know how to walk in the Holy Spirit, to help us know what it means practically when the Holy Spirit is convicting us, leading us, guiding us to truth. That's my job. I'm called to do for TGP West what the apostle Paul told Timothy to do in 2 Timothy 4. Look at it, verses 1 and 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and and teaching. And and the reproving and the rebuking and the exhorting that he's talking about here is not just on the individual level, but it's on the corporate level. The Apostle John gives us a, an example of that in his revelation to, to Jesus, or Jesus' revelation through John to the church. And particularly in the first few chapters where the, he has letters that he, he tells John to write. These are letters from Jesus to seven different churches. And he says this in each one of those letters. We won't read it today. But he says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, Sardis, Laodicea. To the angel of the church, to the messenger of the church. It's not angel angels. It's messenger. It's a a person who is a pastor of that church. The the one that's the, the called out teaching pastor of that church. To each one of those angels of the church or those messengers or pastors say this and you go and read those seven letters. I encourage you to read them today. There's seven different letters, and there's seven different issues. There's lots of different things in each church that Jesus wants them to know they're doing well, and then he wants them to know, here is your problem. And he identifies an issue for the church. It's an issue that is it's something in the church that's inconsistent with what the apostles had been teaching. It's something in the church that, Is inconsistent with the word of God and and so Jesus is telling those pastors you go and help them to see what the apostles teachings are all about you go and help them to see that this activity in their life is inconsistent with what my goal is for their life and my plan is for their community y'all with me seven different things Holy Spirit needs to be the one speaking. All he's doing is helping me to see what the issues are in the church. When I speak, here's what I know happens. Not because I know all of you and what your problems are, although I know most of them because you're very candid about that and I appreciate it. But it's not because I know your problems, but here's what I know happens every Sunday. When I preach, you get spoken to. The word is for you. It it addresses where you are. It hits you in your heart. It, it challenges you and cuts you and convicts you because it's the Holy Spirit speaking. I'm using the Word of God, the Apostles' teaching, to preach. So my call as a teaching pastor, and your commitment to be here, by the way, to receive God's Word, specifically by through the Holy Spirit speaking through your teaching pastor, is one expression of our devotion to the Apostles' teaching. So commit yourself to it. Let's devote ourselves constantly to it. Let's fight the fight against the enemy to stop us from being in this place on Sundays, not because you have to anymore. If you're here because you have to, you are in bondage, and we don't want you in bondage. Be here because you something is going on in your heart, because you've had this encounter with the Holy Spirit and with God, and you've been saved, and, you, and God is building a desire inside of you for a, a new kind of life, and and you're hungry for the word of God. Let, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Is He gives us a heartfelt devotion. A moment by moment desire to walk in the truth of God's word. So be here. Be here for that. That's your commitment. My commitment is every Sunday I'll preach. Or when I'm not here, somebody will who also has that call. All right? Another expression. So expression number one, teaching pastor. Expression number two. Is life groups and your personal devotion to God every day. It's your personal experience with the Word and, and, and our life groups. That's where we take the message from the Holy Spirit. You know, in life groups, we take the message that the Holy Spirit has given the body on a Sunday, and we flesh it out in our personal lives. Because it happens on Monday morning. Thank you, by the way, to all of you who overwhelmingly started posting this past week what the Word of God was saying to you in response to the struggles that you're facing in life. And this is what I noticed this week. What I was asking last week at the beginning of the message was that you would ask the Lord what His goal was or what His, work, what he, what His truth was to apply it to your tough situations that you were experiencing. Because the week before, we were hearing a lot about the tough situations, but we weren't hearing any truth to tie to it. What's God doing in that? And remember the challenge last week? Most of you do, because this week, not only did you not, and please keep telling what your problems are. We need to get those out and pray for each other. Okay, don't quit doing that, but, but this week, there was just a lot of good words from the Lord tied to our problems. We didn't even know what you were facing. We just knew that you had a great word from the Lord about struggles. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It, it's, it's, and so you, you'll take this message today, and you'll get in your, if you'll devote yourself to the apostles' teachings, another expression is you get by yourself tomorrow morning, and you get in your devotional time. You take five minutes, ten minutes, whatever. Don't feel like you've got to take an hour or half an hour and be a good spiritual person. Just take a little time. Open the Word of God. Get your a Bible reading plan, and just start reading, or right, read a devotional's. Some devotionals on a regular basis. There are all kinds of devotionals online. Go to Bible Gateway. Choose one or two. God will be in the choosing. And whatever you read that morning, watch how it ties in to what you heard today. Just watch. Watch how it happens. You'll read something and it'll be right on target of what we talked about today. It'll reiterate, reinforce what God's already said to you in this time for us. And he'll do it all week long. It may not happen tomorrow morning, but it may happen on Tuesday. It may happen on Thursday and not Wednesday. But watch how God takes his word and your commitment to be in the word of God in a time by yourself and will we'll expand what he says today. And then that's why we do what we do in our life groups. We get in our life groups and we, when we go over the message from Sunday morning, we hit the points, say, hey, did God say anything to any of you through this? And all of a sudden stuff starts opening up and we start seeing some common denominators of things that we're facing and we pray for each other regarding that and we flesh out what the word says in, in reference to that. Y'all with me? Okay, that's your commitment. That's my commitment. I, I'm not committed to that because this is my job. I'm committed because I'm hungry. I'm devoted to the apostles' teachings and I'm not devoted to that because I'm a good guy or because I went to seminary. I'm devoted because there's something going on in my heart that the Holy Spirit is drawing me to that. Y'all feel it? The Holy Spirit draws us to his word. It's his work in us. So life groups is another expression of that. Later on in the book of Acts, Luke shows support for this kind of expression of devotion to the apostles' teachings. He describes the nobility, he describes as nobility, of the church in Berea. Look at it in Acts chapter 17, verse 10 and 11. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas Away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So, Paul preaches, he is preaching the apostles, he's doing the apostles' teaching in the synagogue, and these Jews in Berea were taking that word and daily. They were diving in to what Paul had already told them. They were finding out for themselves, is this consistent with what the word says? Is this consistent? How does this apply to my life? They were examining those scriptures and the application to their own lives. So your call as a member, my call as a member of this church is to be more noble than that, than the vast majority of people who say they are devoting themselves to scripture to be devoted beyond just hearing the Word and going into personal study of the Word and fleshing out these things in life groups. Today's a good day to commit to join a life group. Not because we count how many go there. We don't. Matter of fact, you're probably going to be, you better bring some food with you because our groups are full right now. We need more life groups. But we want you there. You need to be there. Flesh these things out. That's your role. If we're going to be a community that blesses, that's a community who by the Holy Spirit's leading Is feeling drawn to, whether you feel up to it or not, you're feeling drawn to a devotion to the Word of God, to the apostles' teachings, to the words that God has for us. All right, a third expression of our devotion to the apostles' teaching is to fight the enemy's tactics, to distort the truth of the Word. The early disciples' fight was very similar to ours, and it's been a a struggle and a fight that's going on Throughout history, from the day that, this, that the apostles' teaching began to be a focus for the community of God, there has been opposition. The enemy hates it when we're committing ourselves, devoting ourselves daily, constantly to the Word of God. He hates that. It's why he's so good at keeping you and me from spending time in the Word. The fight is a, is a strange one since in most of, the, most of history... It comes from those who claim to be Christians. And God opened this up for me this past week. The apostles' teaching, even in Jesus' day, went against accepted religion. And we've seen a lot of that as we went through the Gospels last year, of the opposition that Jesus was constant, and the church was constantly facing to the religion of their day. God's people were the ones. And I say God's people in quotes. On Facebook, let me put I mean, uh, on Podbean, let me put that in quotes. God's people were the ones that were causing the struggles. Again, we're going to look at the struggles in more detail as we move through the book of Acts because that's one of our goals as we work through this. But let's take a peek at just a few of the struggles that the first disciples faced as they began to be devoted to spreading this message of Christ. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Be ready. Get ready. Uh, Be aware of the enemy's tactics. Fight it. Look at verses 18 and 20. They, after they get out of prison, they called them and charged them not to speak or to teach in all, uh, at all in the name of Jesus, verse 18. And verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or uh, rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak, we cannot help but speak what we have seen and heard. So they spoke it. He said, We can't help but speak it. Why can't I help but speak it? Because the Holy Spirit was flooding their hearts with a desire to speak the Word of God, to tell the truth, to speak the truth against the religious opposition that they were facing. Now, there's a problem that we need to watch for. As we begin to try to respond to the Holy Spirit's pure awakening. As he begins to open up our community to this move that's going to cause us to be a community that blesses, we need to be ready, be aware that Satan is going to use the existing institution more than anything else to hinder the movement or to bring it to a halt if he can. It's always happened. Historically, this has always been true. Our, our, we are most aware of things like the Reformation. You know, in the Reformation, the Catholic Church had begun to be so focused on the wrong things. It began to be works focused. They began to be uh, focused on justification by works rather than justification by grace. They began to be focused on all the wrong things. They were taking a stand uh, and, and teaching people to do things that were in opposition to the glory of God being being seen, and it was stopping it, and and so... Martin Luther and others raised, uh, were raised up. Martin Luther, a man who went to school for, to study law, gets his bachelor's degree and master's degree in law and then uh, has, a, uh, has an encounter, uh, near-death experience, and has an encounter with God and desires, decides instead to go to an Augustinian uh, monastery. And he studies, begins to study the Word of God. And immediately, as a non-religious person, who had a real encounter with God and begins to study the apostles' teachings for himself, he realized that the the church, the established church, had moved so far away from the truth that was revealed in God's Word. So the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, is born out of his personal experience with God, and it becomes a corporate experience as more and more believers in his day began to focus instead of on works, Focus on the grace of God, like we're trying to teach in our churches at the gathering place, is the overwhelming effect that the grace of God, unhindered grace of God, not added to the, any works of man, but just grace of God given freely to us, of how that affects us and changes us. And the church came to life when Martin Luther began to say, Grace alone. And they realized that when it's grace alone, that that there is no works, and and so it's Christ alone, and and so it's faith alone, uh, and so it's uh, Scripture alone, it's the apostles' teachings alone. It's not all these added things that we add to it, all the five different types of uh, alones, solas, that Luther came up with. And then ultimately, when that began to happen, all the glory began to be given to God alone, and that was their goal. And that is the goal of every believer that has an honest encounter with God, a sincere encounter with God. Now, why would that, why would that be the direction we go today? Because God led me to that this week. To life in her quiet time a few weeks ago, came across a quote by Horatius Bonar. Early 1800s. And he was making reference to what happened and I got a quote from him that I want to read to you just take this in because he describes what happened with the apostles and how similar that is to what's hap- what happened with the reformation and then I'll make a third application and we'll be done look at what he says for ages Christianity has had groveled in the dust smothered with semi-pagan rites ready to die if not already dead bound hand and foot "...by a semi-idolatrous priesthood, unable to do aught for a world that it had been sent to regenerate. Now it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon its feet as a man, man, and a man's heart was given to it. A new conscience was born, and with a new conscience came in new life and power. Nothing had been seen like this since the age of the apostles." The doctrine of another's righteousness reckoned to us for justification before God. is one of the links that knot together the 1st and the 16th centuries. The apostles and the reformers. The creeds of the Reformation overleap 15 centuries and land us at once in the epistle of Romans. Judicial and moral cleansing was what man needed. And in that epistle we have both the imputed and imparted righteousness. The former, the root or foundation of the latter, not the one without the other, both together, inseparable, but each in its own order. Man, that's where the church was in the time of the Reformation in the 1500s when Martin Luther, a man who had been who had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, very similar to what Paul's was, you know, a blinding kind of experience that that blinded him of the of his own righteousness and of his own goodness and showed him the righteousness of God. And he came out of that experience pursuing God in the best way that he knew how. And he goes into the religious institution of his day and he doesn't find God in the institution. He finds God in the apostles' teachings. How, how do we protect ourselves from the apostles' teachings? How do we uh, protect ourselves from uh, not from the apostles' teachings, from current-day, modern-day apostles' teachings? How do we protect ourselves from the tactics of the enemy to take us down a road of of, of idolatry and, and of myths as Paul describes it in his letter to Timothy? Half-truths, partial truths. How do we do that? There's only one way to do that. It's that we... Uh, we Take the time personally and make all the adjustments necessary to find expressions of committing ourselves moment by moment constantly to the truth that's in the Word of God. We we can't do like we read this morning in our time together with, with the worship team like they did in, like Moses, like Israel did in the, in the story of Moses, where they're constantly going to Moses and say, what's the truth? What does God say? What does God want us to do? Please go to God and tell him to quit. It's all this, that's where religion took us prior to the Reformation, is that we had to go to the priest to find out what's right and what's wrong, and, and that the Holy Spirit couldn't speak to us individually and move in us individually, and that is not the truth of, of the Word of God. Y'all with me? The truth of the word of God is you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And until we realize that the Holy Spirit is is going to lead us to truth, as we spend time focusing on the apostles' teachings, we will never be the kind of community that God desires for us to be, a community that blesses. We're not going to be a community, not by biblical definition, until we are devoted to the word of God. We need to watch the enemy's tactics. He's doing it again. As I'm reading this book the uh, title of the book is The Everlasting Righteousness. As I'm reading this book by Horatius Bonar from way back in the 1600s, and he's, he's describing what was going on with the Reformation and the birth of this new uh, Jesus-only kind of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ given to us, instead of all these rules and regulations given by the Catholic Church. I can't sit in judgment of the Catholic Church. I don't sit in judgment with the Catholic Church. Matter of fact, I can tell you today, I find some of the most significant expressions of faith, real faith, in the Catholic Church. You know who's the Catholic Church of today, in my opinion? Us. Baptists. Protestants. We have made all these rules and regulations, and and when we move away from, when we try to move away from any kind of traditional religion, we go into a different methodology or a different way of, of doing worship or you know, wearing clothes or it's all physical. It has nothing to do with heart change. I believe God's calling us to this church. Y'all with me? Stay with me because this is our call. I believe God's calling us to be authentic Christians, united together in community to show people in what is now the new bondage to nail our own theses to the door. To say we're done, we're done with religion. We're done with, with legalism. We're done with doing things because you have to, supposed to, ought to. We're going to let the Holy Spirit in, fill us. And we're going to walk by the Word of God alone. We're going to walk in the grace of God alone. And we're not going to add to it a, a, a new list of rules and regulations. And I promise you, church, get ready. As we begin to manifest this, we're going to be called names. We're going to begin to, people are going to begin to say, you guys are not Christian. But let's go back to what the apostles were experiencing. Let's go back to the Reformation and what, what the Reformers were experiencing because we need a Reformation today. This is the only century since the United States begun, uh, began that there hasn't been an awakening in our country. Why is that? It's because we got religious. We got real religious. We've gotten real, I'm, I got real religious. I was a proponent of and a perpetuator of religion until God got a hold of my heart. In many ways, I'm just, I had the same kind of experience that Martin Luther had. I found God in His Word, found the truth, and now I can't get away from it. I'll never go back to that. But we need to be a, a community that understands that, that walks in the truth of God's Word, that walks in the, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit so the world around us We'll be able to experience that. So the fourth expression is that. Fourth expression is uh, our final expression of the apostles' teachings, of of our devotion to the apostles' teachings. And that is the spreading of the truth to the world around us. We can't be half-hearted about spreading the truth of the grace of God. This past week we were talking about in our wrestling group and and somebody brought up again. This always comes up when you start talking about pure grace. Yeah, but what if people go off and live in sin? does well, does that mean you don't tell them the truth? The truth is grace alone that Christ has covered our sins. The truth is that there are some people that will go and live in sin they're never if they're believers they are never going to be comfortable with that in their hearts ultimately when that process is complete that Paul talks about he says man i'm praying that until the until the lord until until the Lord is formed in you I'm praying for you, and we pray man because People that, have, that walk by rules will never get free of them. They're in bondage. Once you release the rules, you may walk in sin for a while, but you know what? The Holy Spirit's going to bring you out of that, and it's going to be him and not a good sermon where a preacher stepped on your toes and told you what it was all about, told you how you ought to live, supposed to live, should live. That has to happen in our hearts. If it doesn't, we will not be the kind of community that God wants us to be in this sin area. God wants us to be a community that spreads this word, carefully sharing truth, not because we have to, but because we can't stop it. We're like Paul who says, we can't help but speak about what we've seen and heard. Are y'all feeling that? Yeah. Again, I was telling the life group this morning. I talk about Rustin a lot because it's a new work. So I don't love Rustin more than I love West. I want you to know that, right? But but what's going on over there is is this pure right now. They're they're having these experiences with grace and. You know, Cassidy, this past, every week it's just like, I just can't believe this. Wow, I never heard this. He's been in the church all of his life. He's never heard about the grace of God. It, it's everywhere around us, and it will cause people to light up, man. He is so lit every week. He, he just he can't help it. He overflows with it in his personality. It's exciting to see, and I want that to spread to the community there. And I want it to spread to the community here. But we need to realize and remind ourselves of how good the grace of God is. And don't get bogged down again, bewitched into believing that it's grace plus something else. We need to live our lives in freedom and enjoy what God's given us. And I hope for most of you now, you understand that it's the freedom to to live in power over sin, not to live in sin. It's the power to live the best life that God has for us. It's the power over Satan who's trying to lead you down a a path because he knows if you follow God, it's going to make your life more abundant. It's going to make your life incredible, more enjoyable, filled with joy regardless of your circumstances. And Satan wants you to think, oh, well, you're going to miss out on this, so you better chase, chase after this. And he gets us chasing, going down this road. And we go down there with the grace of God, seeing us as perfect the whole time. But at some point, you're going to wake up and realize, like I did, that that life is not worth having. It, it, that is, it makes you miserable to keep going down that road, believing these lies of the enemy. So instead, let's choose to walk with God. And then we're going to be those people who can't help but speak about what we've seen and heard. Let's flesh it out, church, okay? God's doing a work here for you and for the people around you. So let's let the Holy Spirit do his work. What does he do? Number one, these people in Acts were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I can't see that, that God would do anything else with us as an initial act that he would cause us to be vote, devoted to the truth, to the word of God, moment by moment, every day, making application to every aspect of our lives. So let's ask God to do that this morning as we close. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you have inspired godly men to write down the things that we needed to be able to walk out this life. That we are not dependent upon people who have not known our Savior, but instead we have the testimony of men that have walked with you that knew you well, that did life with you, and then also on top of that were filled with your Holy Spirit. We devote ourselves as a church to the apostles' teachings. Help me to be a good, solid representation of a teaching pastor for these people that you've called together. Help these people to be like the 3,000, God, that we would devote ourselves to personal time in your word daily, moment by moment, that we would get in your word and when the enemy throws something our way, we go back to your word again to find truth to do battle with. Be the rhema word of God to us every day. Help us to be those people that pursue you daily, personally. And then also, Lord, help us to be the noble kind of Christians that the Berean people were, that we would devote ourselves not only to hearing the word, but to fleshing it out daily, studying it, making application through life groups and doing that in a community setting. So much value that you've given to us through that. I pray if there's any here today, God, that are not a part of that, that you would, again, that you, Holy Spirit, would cut their hearts, that you would draw them into that, that they would see and desire, uh, God, a need or, uh, to, to be in your word and to flesh that out with other believers. Father, help us to give your word to others. Help us to be changed in such a way and to see you, your truth in such a way that it causes us to be to just glow, God, and instead to be at a point where we just can't help but speak what we've seen and heard. And Father, I know that that truth is a truth that the most, the most lost person in this community wants to hear. So Father, help us not to mix it with any kind of... Um, myth, any kind of personal idea or religious tradition, God, that's not from you. Give us pure religion. Give us a pure, Lord, expression of faith in you and trust in your word. Give us truth as we read and as we pray and as we study together. Lord, we commit to this study. We want you to make us a community that blesses Because that's your goal for us. We realize that. We embrace it. Do your work in us today. In Jesus' name.